This Week in HPC. HPC for your Christmas shopping list. A wrap-up of system news from SC14. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everybody, and thanks for listening in to another episode of This Week in HPC from Intersect 360 Research and distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, and I'm joined, as always, by Michael Feldman. How's it going, Michael? Very well. Michael, we're still wrapping up our news from SC14 in New Orleans, and as we promised on a previous podcast, we bundled up all of the major system announcements, and we're going to try to hit them on this podcast here. We've, uh, in previous trade shows, said you know we didn't get a whole lot of new system news, but now it seems like we we did get new system news in spades. We we covered uh, some major trends like open power or uh, or 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 the the, the interconnect trends with 100 gigabit in our previous podcast, but uh, we've got some, some systems to go through this time. Yeah, not the uh, not some of the big systems from Cray or IBM, as we've seen in the past. There's no more blue jeans, no follow-on to the XC announcement from uh, from Cray, but some very interesting systems nonetheless, and some uh, not, not being released today, but uh, in the future. Well, let's start, uh, I think, with Dell, who might become the number one HPC system vendor in the market uh, after this Lenovo divestiture from IBM. And Dell did have a significant new system, the PowerEdge C4130, which is the newest Dell PowerEdge system. The big deal here is that they've introduced a, a system here with four NVIDIA GPUs per node. Right. I mean, Dell's actually been very good at at uh, packing the GPUs in the former versions of, of PowerEdge, and this basically brings everything up to date with the latest Intel Xeons and the latest uh, uh, NVIDIA accelerators and, and so on. So, yeah, this one is, comes with four, up to four uh, accelerators per node, which is very dense. So, that with the latest hardware in there, that can get to about 7.2 teraflops on a single uh, 1U server, which is uh, pretty nice. Right. This is a 1U server, as you were just saying. So, that's very dense. You're going 7.2 teraflops in 1U. I haven't done the math to figure out filling a whole rack with those, but uh, but uh, pretty high-density computing. Yep. And then, that wasn't even their only announcement. They also had a, a storage-related announcement, which I think is very important coming from Dell to try to uh, start to solidify their data management story around HPC, lining up on Intel Enterprise Edition for Luster, Dell Storage for HPC. Yeah, they went all Intel there, and they uh, write the, the Intel version of Luster, which sounds like, uh, from what we heard at SC14, there's uh, a little bit of a divergence on the main line of Luster. So, some people are starting to pick sides with Luster now. So, a pair of announcements from Dell going with the high-density computing and uh, also the data management on Luster. Uh, not to be outdone, we saw a, a couple of new announcements coming from SGI. Right, SGI announced a couple of new systems. One, their their sort of workhorse ICE system, their cluster. Uh, they're calling it this one's the ICE XA. Uh, it's basically the sixth generation of that line using again the latest Intel Xeons, the E5 2600 version three processors. Um, the more interesting announcement, perhaps, especially for for SGI, which has been putting a lot of inf inf uh, emphasis on its UV line, is the two two new UVs, uh, the UV 300 and the UV30EX. 
Uh, right. These are the in-memory or shared memory computers that they're really targeting. That analytics is an expanding market. This is where they're getting their SAP HANA certifications, uh, really repositioning these shared memory systems now for big data. And I think this is going to be a, a major trend here going forward, because we've seen in big data how much people are working on their own in-house applications and algorithms. And if you're trying to get those to scale, can be significantly easier to do that in a shared memory or open MP type of environment than trying to add in MPI. Right, and, and SCI has actually established a nice little niche for itself. It was, it was very early into sort of this in-memory space with its, with its UV, and actually the 300 they announced is based on the 300H, it's basically the HANA appliance version of this, and that one goes up to uh, 32 sockets and 24 terabytes of memory on a single node, basically. So uh, lots of memory, lots of uh, processing capability, and uh, a very interesting product there. The 30EX uh, is a smaller one, it's a four-socket server, but that goes up to three terabytes of, of memory. Again, and that's upgradable to a, to a UV300, but you can kind of start small with that four-socket system. SGI also announcing SGI Remote Services, SGI Management Center 3.0, all important complements to these lines. But but for me, I, I'm with you. I'm watching this shared memory space here as a breakout opportunity for SGI, uh, recapturing some of the some of the growth and the glory of the shared memory days from SGI. The interesting thing to me was I also stopped by the booth at Huawei, and Huawei has an in. They're really trying to increase their presence now moving into HPC, they were also showing some products that would look like fatter nodes. And they're talking a, a very similar story to SGI in terms of in-memory computing, have a lot of memory on these nodes, and targeting analytics and SAP HANA. Yeah, that's interesting. Huawei is, uh, has been very aggressive, in, at least in the last couple of years, in coming into the HPC space. And uh, yeah, maybe it wants to give SGI a run for its money in this in-memory uh, uh, supercomputer space. And uh, I think that's good. It's always good to have competition. They'll probably do things slightly differently and maybe have different price points and, uh, and configurations. So that's, that's really good news. I like to see that. I went and dropped in on Huawei while you were taking a look at Lenovo. They had some announcements. Yeah, Lenovo, of course, we talked about that. They had a big, uh, big coming out show at, at Supercomputing this year. They, they came up with a uh, very interesting one-use server again. This is an Intel. Just a two-socket server, but they used the fastest Intel chips they could find, and the, the highest cores is a 16-core uh, E5 processor running up to 3.2 gigahertz. I'm not sure what the wattage is on that, but I'm guessing it's pretty high. But uh, with that high that high bin uh, Intel Xeon, they, they were able to get a teraflop in a server without accelerators, which is, uh, I think, a first. Yeah, that is impressive. Now, we were just talking about uh, uh, the the Dell systems and a lot of teraflops into 1U, but uh, with no accelerators going to one teraflop in 1U, I think is a nice benchmark there. Yeah, that's very impressive. I think uh, when we look back, the original accelerators could do this, you know, back when they just started. Now you can have the, just the regular old CPUs getting up to a teraflop in a server. Now, that wasn't the only thing you saw from Lenovo. They also had maybe an interesting demo for something future-looking. Yeah, they had this Petacube demo they're running in their booth. Basically, they put uh, when one Petacube, Petacube, one petaflop in a in a rack. Uh, it used some of the Nextscale uh, uh, server technology they inherited from 
from IBM, and they, they pack this thing very densely. It's basically a you know 42U, four foot by four foot space, and they they got a petaflop. We've covered sort of some of these systems before where they're densely packed. You can get a petaflop in there if you're if you're very tricky and you use accelerators. This in, in this case they used uh, Intel Knights uh, or the, the Intel Knights landing technology to deliver that, but. Uh, I'm sorry. That's only that's in two racks of space. That's that does the petaflop. So interesting, interesting demo there for those who went by the booth. Uh, very nice system. Yeah, and as we start to look at some of these other future-looking announcements from the vendors, to me, the most significant of them uh, was a, a nice suite of announcements from Bull, kind of laying out its strategy for exascale-capable systems. Yeah, that was that was actually one of the most interesting announcements that kind of got hidden in, in sort of this uh, deluge of other announcements. And again, like you said, it's a future, although some of it is coming out next year, some of these servers. But uh, their, their Exascale platform, which they called Sequana, is their going to be, I guess, the name of their new Exascale supercomputer, and they talked about different aspects of it on what it was going to be looking like, including, most interestingly, a new uh, a new fast interconnect, basically a custom interconnect uh, right now codenamed uh, BXI. BXI for Bull Extreme Interconnect is going to be the, the, the proprietary interconnect from Bull that's going to carry them forward to these Exascale levels of capability. I think this was significant in a couple of ways. Uh, first of of all, that is a major announcement coming from Bull after the acquisition by Atos, which is a major enterprise brand. And anyone who is worried about what's going to be the HPC strategy from Atos or from Bull within Atos can can see that they're going all in here. I, this is a major race going forward, and Atos is, is absolutely supporting it. Uh, a very interesting set of announcements. And then the second reason it's interesting to me is to have this coming out of Europe, where Bull is now planting its own flag, independent of any kind of announcement from the European Commission, to say, by the way, we're going to be able to deliver an exascale system if anyone be, be, would care to buy one. Now, they're not going to be able to put an exact date on that because they're dependent on processor roadmaps from their partners, such as Intel. But I, I think my inference from this is that if Intel's roadmap holds, uh, you know, if you assume that Intel continues to deliver processors, at, at the rate that uh, that they think they will, that Bull maybe could potentially deliver an exascale system in 2020, uh, which would would get uh, Europe right in there with uh, with the other continents. Yeah, that would be an interesting development, and and. You know, beyond that, they they would have the platform at least to build very large machines, you know, near exascale machines for the European community uh, up at that date. So, um, big thing. And we also should mention they're uh, sort of included in this is they could also develop a, a range of servers with very high memory capacity. Again, sort of these big memory uh, nodes. They're call, calling this the X6000 series, and and that one uh, they're going to have the first version of this big memory system coming out next year. Uh, in Q2, um, and then presumably as 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 the decade goes by, they'll they'll upgrade this. But some of the technologies is, is sort of going to come out in pieces. And looking for the Sequana, the full exascale capable Sequana uh, around the end of the decade. 
Sequana, BXI, this whole suite of exascale technologies from Bull was one of my favorite announcements from the show. Very comprehensive. Wrapping up, though, if we're going to talk about those as futures, I should say that I was pleasantly surprised by a briefing I had with NEC, who we hadn't talked to much recently. We talked to Fujitsu about their system futures, but there's another key Japanese vendor there that's been on their vector lines, this SX line. We got a nice update on SX Ace, which they're now claiming is the most efficient uh, single processor, best performance on efficiency on the new HPCG benchmark, but also showing some nice future roadmap with a, a project codenamed Aurora, not to be confused with the Aurora from Eurotech. This is NEC's Aurora going forward, but uh, putting them on a very similar uh, path to uh, really discontinuous levels of performance. For those of you who like the idea of a hybrid vector architecture going forward, a, a nice set of announcements from NEC. Yeah, that's a very interesting system and then plays well into some of the uh, the diversity we're, we've been talking about over the over the last few months, we're seeing in uh, HPC, NEC is already there with their vector, their vector machine, of course, and uh, upgrading it. That that should be a very interesting offering. Did you think a few years ago we'd be here talking about the role of vectors going forward? I did not actually. <laughs> I thought they might go the way of the, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the way that things go is the way you thought that they might go. Yeah, I, I get it. But here's the thing. Our jobs are getting nothing but more interesting here as analysts. This is a nice suite of new uh, system announcements from a very diverse collection of vendors across the space. These are all absolutely worthy of our attention. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see how this continues to play out post-SC14. Indeed it will. All right. Thanks a lot, Michael. And uh, thanks to you for listening. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 